when we talk about giving, especially when I talk about giving as a pastor, I know a lot of people are thinking, okay, so what's, what's really the motive behind this, right? Uh, some people, they believe that giving is something that's too secular, right? Talking about money within the church, uh, that's, too, that's something that, that's ungodly, not that spiritual. Some people actually leave the church because they, they are sick and tired of the pastor talking about money. Some people, they would say that, well, money is too personal of an issue. Uh, I remember um, a couple of years ago, there was an NFL team, and one of the main players on the team, he was holding off of playing. Um, he, had, he wanted a bigger contract. He wanted more money. And so he said, I'm not going to play until I get a new contract. And so it was a big issue because he was like one of the best players on the team. And so when people were interviewing his teammates, like in the locker room, they're asking questions like, How do, what does this do to the team dynamic? Are you guys okay in the locker room? And I remember one of the players, they said this. Well, within the locker room, we talk about a lot of different things. But there are two things that we don't talk about. We don't talk about someone else's wife. We don't talk about someone else's money. And so they said, okay, we're not touching it because marriage and money, those are too personal. Even when you're talking with friends, right, you don't really talk about money that much. Maybe like an opportunity to invest, but you don't talk about how someone else is managing their money, how much they have. You're hesitant to share any information because it sounds really personal. Well, I have a difficult job because as a pastor, like, a lot of times I have to talk about marriage. A lot of times I have to talk about money. It's not because just I love the topic of money. You can see that Jesus, you know, if you just follow his life, especially read through the Gospels in order, you're going to notice that Jesus cares a lot about finances. Like he speaks a lot about resources and, and money. And, and I was thinking at the end of the year, last year, like we talked about the rich fool. We talked about don't worry worrying about our possessions early in the year. And I'm like, God, okay, I think I did enough about money. And then I look at the next passage and it's like, okay, wow, again, like it, it's going even further. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. And it happened to be on the day that we were going to put out the donation list, right? This was not planned. Uh, again, uh, if you think I'm a genius that I plan a year in advance when I started this Luke series so that this particular donation list would fall on this particular Sunday, then, okay, you think very highly of me. But literally, I chose the passage, the next passage, like, in order, and I heard um, from our staff meeting that, uh, that we had an opportunity to do this donation list. The list is mainly for the Korean side. We have some needs in the English side as well, so we said, okay, this Sunday will be a good Sunday. And I said to myself, great, because I'm set to talk about money. I know what people are going to assume. Uh, but it's quite funny because um, money, or more specifically giving, uh, it is a spiritual practice that, that we do. And it's unlike any other spiritual practice because when the pastor talks about prayer, you don't go and assume, oh man, I wonder why the pastor is encouraging us to pray. When the pastor is talking about serving, you're not just thinking, oh man, I wonder why he's like pushing us to serve. But when it comes to money, it feels like there's some sort of alternative motive. Uh, but I just want to simply put out, yes, it's true that there are issues with finances within the church, but the ultimate reason why we give as Christians, is because we want to be like Christ. To be a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. And what that means is we want to do what Christ has done in this world. Why do you pray? I mean, there could be a lot of different reasons, but the reason why we pray as Christians is because 
Jesus prayed throughout his ministry. He didn't rely on his own strength, his wisdom, but he prayed. He relied on the presence and the promises of God. Why do you read the Bible, memorize the Bible, meditate on the Bible? Well, it's because Jesus was a man of God's word. It's because he loved the Bible so much. He loved scripture so much that even when he was dying on the cross, he was willing to quote scripture, not speak of his own words. He was quoting scripture, literally. What did he do when he rose again? He explained how this all fits into the grand scheme of of God's word. Jesus was a man of God's word, and as his followers, we want to be people of the word. Why do you serve? Well, it's because Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. Well, why do you live a life of worship? It's because Jesus said, I live this life not to glorify my own self, but to glorify my Father. And so we too live to glorify God. Why do you evangelize? Why do you go on missions? It's because Jesus is the ultimate missionary, that he was driven to reach out to lost people, people who were neglected in society, people who, who no one would touch or no one would go near. Jesus was saying that I'm a sinner. I'm a friend of sinners. I'm willing to, to sit and eat and dine with these sinners. Why? For the sake of saving them. And so Jesus was the ultimate missionary. He is the ultimate evangelist. And so why do we give? We give because Jesus gave generously. And you might say, well, did Jesus give money? Well, he gave his entire life for you. And so Jesus gave, and he calls us to do the same. Jesus is the model of our giving. Jesus is the model of our giving, and the gospel of Jesus Christ is the motivation behind our giving. The gospel is the motivation behind our giving. Look at verse 33. It says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. It's important to understand that this This saying, it's coming in the context of Jesus speaking to his disciples. He's not just speaking to a general crowd, but he's specifically addressing his disciples as they are anxious and worried on how to be a disciple. Jesus says, hey, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what to eat, what to wear. Like, your father knows all that you need. And last week, we looked at how, you know, our father is so gracious, caring towards us. Therefore, we can seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, trusting that everything else will be given to us. And so, in this context, Jesus says to his disciples, by the way, you should sell your possessions and give to the needy. This is not an option it's, it's a command that we should follow. So Jesus, he expects his followers to give. And the reason why we are expected to give is because we have a generous God. Now, I want to make it very clear. If you never gave a penny to God's kingdom, a penny to save someone uh, who is lost, if you never given before, I just want to make it very, very clear. If you believe in the gospel, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you're standing before Jesus. You are perfectly loved by the Father. You are perfectly accepted and you're perfectly approved. I just want to make that very, very clear. God, when he sees you, he doesn't look at your bank account. He doesn't see uh, your contribution statement and say, well, based on how much you have given, this is how much I'm going to love and bless you. No, that's not really the case, because we know that the message of the gospel is that our standing before God is not rooted in what we give to God, it's rooted in what God gives to us. That God was gracious enough to give his one and only son so that we would not perish when we believe in him, but we would have eternal life. We believe that giving is driven not by shame, 
not by guilt. It's not driven by this desire to earn more from God because even if you sold your possessions and you gave all that you have to the needy tomorrow, God is going to love you the same because his love for you right now is absolutely perfect, complete. It was never based on how worthy you were or how much you were willing to do for him. It was always driven by his gracious heart. That's why we call the gospel grace. It's something that God gives us despite of what we do. On the flip side, I want to make it very clear that giving is an issue of of spiritual discipline. That giving is something. If we are unfaithful in our giving, it's an issue of, of sin. Like God, he loves us, cares for us, but what is sin? Sin is anything that misses the mark of God's holiness and righteousness. And when we are unwilling to give, it shows that there's something wrong within our hearts. Look at verse 32, right before this command to sell your possessions and give to the needy. This is what Jesus says to his disciples. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's such a simple verse, but just think about the beauty that, 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 that this verse is displaying. Three things about God, that he is our good shepherd, that we are his little flock that we are like lost sheep in this world, that we don't know any better. We can't protect ourselves, provide for ourselves, and yet we have a good shepherd in Jesus Christ. We also have a good father. It says God is our father. If we are in Christ, that we are perfectly loved by our father. The third thing that it says that he's willing to give you the kingdom, meaning that he is a king. God has absolute control over your life. So you are a flock of a good shepherd. You are a child of a good father. And you are part of a kingdom of a good king. And because you have everything that you need as a follower in Christ, and God's heart is to give you, it says that it is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God you can graciously give to others. Because what you receive from God is so big, it's so good, it is so great that what you give towards others is not that big of a deal. Our motivation behind giving is never guilt. It's it's never just good works. It's an awareness of how generous God is. The more and more you recognize that God is absolutely generous and gracious towards you, you can be generous towards others. Now, one practice that I always try to do in my life is outside of my normal salary, if there's anything that comes to me in extra, maybe someone was generous, gave me a gift, and, and, and I, I thank that person for that, but my principle is that I always want to make sure that I take that blessing and share it with someone else. Like, because what God has given me outside of what I would normally earn is grace. And that's an opportunity for me to share grace. And so if you buy me a meal, I'll make sure I buy someone else a meal. I might not buy you a meal, but I'll make sure I buy someone else a meal. And you know what? It's so easy to do that. When, when you have received grace, it's easy to extend grace. If you're just paying out of your own pocket, you feel like you're using your own money, you're going to be stingy. It's not going to be joyful, uh, but if you recognize that you have received in abundance, 
that you have received so much in Jesus Christ for you to be generous and gracious towards others, it's not a big deal. So do you see that your understanding of the gospel as it deepens, your generosity and giving is going to be stronger and stronger. The reason why we struggle in our generosity, in our giving, is not because we're forgetful people. It's not because we're, we're bad in certain practices. We have actually a heart issue deep down inside that we struggle to see the beauty of the gospel and how generous God is towards our lives. And therefore, we struggle to give towards others. So the command in verse 33 doesn't sound that bad when you think about the, the, the promise in verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know, Ephesians 1.3 says that he has blessed, the father has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heaven. Not just some spiritual blessings, every spiritual blessings in heaven. You might think, well, why not material blessings? Material blessings will fade away. We're going to see that in a bit. But spiritual blessings are for eternal. And God says every spiritual blessing that you deeply desire, it's all given to you in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, Jesus has become poor so that we can become rich. It says in Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son, like who was able to love us through the cross, how much more would he graciously give us all things? Like you just think about the, the gracious nature of our father all throughout scripture, and that motivates you to give generously towards others. A clear understanding of the gospel gives you a clear reason to give generously. So why give? We give. This is the first point I want to make. Why give? We give because we serve a gracious and generous God who is willing to give us the kingdom. We serve a gracious and generous God who is willing to give us not just a few things in life, but his very own kingdom, the fullness of his kingdom he's willing to give us. And the security that we have in Jesus, the promises that we have in Jesus allows us to be free to give towards others. Now, I just want to clarify one thing. Uh, maybe you might be thinking, uh, well, um, does this mean like being rich is bad? Having a lot of possessions is bad? Well, I don't think the possessions that you have in itself is evil. Logically, if you think about it, like if you think your possessions are evil and you give those possessions to someone else or those riches to someone else, what are you encouraging other, other people to do? enjoy all that evil stuff, right? So it just doesn't make sense. Like your possessions are not evil. It's the heart behind your possessions, your, your attitude towards your possessions that are important. Like being wealthy is not really an issue. But if you are wealth, wealthy, but you are poor towards God, just like the rich fool that we saw a couple weeks ago, then there's an issue. Now, some people might say, well, I don't have any possessions or I don't have any riches to share. Um, notice that it doesn't just say that you should share if you have extra stuff in your life. It actually says that you should be intentional and sometimes sacrificial to give towards the needy. Because it says before give to the needy, sell your possessions. Now, how much of your possessions should, should you sell? That's a very good question that I'm not going to answer today uh, because I just don't know. Maybe God can speak to you like, the, like, like Jesus spoke to the rich young ruler and he might say, sell all your possessions. That's what he said to the rich young ruler. Maybe you might be 
moved by the Holy Spirit and, and you're like Zacchaeus who was willing to pay back what he owns to other people fourfold. And maybe it might be a very specific part of your life that God is leading you to, to, to give. And so I'm not going to limit what God is going to ask you uh, to, to give, but just know that God is telling you, you just can't maintain your life, not doing, do anything about your life. You're spending what you possess and think that you will have an opportunity to give to the needy. If you understand the gracious nature of your father, then be intentional and sacrificial about what you give towards others. We give because we have a gracious, generous father who's willing to give us the kingdom. Why do we give? Number two, we give because giving is a good and wise investment. Giving is a good and wise investment. Look at verse 33 one more time. It says this, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with the treasure in heavens in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Now, this sounds kind of strange, but if I can give you some context, especially during Jesus' time, they didn't have any banks, they didn't really have any, they didn't have a stock market where they could invest in things, and so if people had a lot of money, what would they do? They would carry around their money in money bags or keep it somewhere in the house, or they would buy treasures, uh, expensive stuff. Maybe for us, it could be like expensive paintings or things that are valuable, maybe jewelry. In other words, you would use money, your finances, to invest in treasures so that those things will hold value and you, could contain, you can hold on to those things. And so when it says, provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, the money bag is where you place all your finances, or the treasures in heavens that does not fail. In other words, there are certain treasures that you purchase, but you don't keep that treasure on earth, but you keep that treasure in heaven. So Jesus is distinguishing earthly investments and heavenly investments. And what he says is this, earthly investments, they will fade away, they will fail you. One day they will disappear. This is not a possibility. This is the reality of all that you have on this earth. That one day, you might think the car that you have, the house that you have, all the stocks and the money that you have in your bank is going to be forever, but those things will fade away according to 1 John chapter 2, along with this earth. But the investment that you make into God's kingdom, the treasures that you place in heaven, those things will not fail, the word of God says. And so Jesus, he's not against investment in general. He's against foolish investment. What Jesus is saying is this, it is foolish, it is stupid, it is bad to invest in things that, that the value is diminishing. Like one day, those values, like it's going to come crashing down. Like you think those things are so valuable right now, but those things will be worthless sooner or later, either in this life or the life that is to come. So don't store up your wealth on earth, but store up your treasures in heaven, Jesus says. It says in verse 33, one more time, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with treasures in heaven that do not, does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. So the encouragement is not that you're going to lose your money when you give to someone else, but Jesus says when you're giving to someone else, you're actually making an investment into God's kingdom. You're not losing that money, you're just passing on that money for a later day. And one day when you see God face to face, you will see the treasure that's stored up in heaven because that treasure is ultimate, that treasure is forever. And so what Jesus says to the rich fool was this, you know, 
in verse 21 in chapter 12. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. If you continue to lay up treasures for yourself in this earth, then you will be poor towards God. The gospel is not just the motivation behind our giving, it is the power of our giving. Because when we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we believe that, that Christ died for our sins, that it is actually possible for us to have new life because of the work of Jesus Christ, because he, he lived a life that we could not live, he died the death that we, we deserve to die, he defeated all the enemies that we could not defeat, and he allows us to have eternal life. What we have is that we have a new identity, we belong to a new kingdom. No longer do we belong to this earth, but we belong um, to God's kingdom. And more importantly, we actually have a new home. It says in John chapter 14 that in my father's house, there are many rooms. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is inviting us to live, dwell in the father's house forever. One reason why we struggle to invest in God's eternal kingdom is because we feel like this world is our home, that this life is it. You know, about two weeks ago, uh, the youth, they went to uh, this retreat center, uh, which, which is awesome. Like, we, we love going there. We went there a couple of years. But imagine you go to a retreat center. I'm, I go to a retreat center, and, and I walk into the room, and I notice that, man, the beds are old. The mattress is old. The floor is stinky. Like, there's no TV there. The curtains, so old. And I think to myself, man, I have to be here for three days. I can't live in this room. And so I go out, I go to Bed Bath & Beyond, and I, I buy new sheets. I order a new mattress. I, I lay down new carpet. Like, I put a big TV so that I can enjoy like, you know, whatever I'm going to watch. I change everything about the room. Like If I do that, what would you say to me? Man, you foolish. Like, it doesn't make sense to invest so much money and resource into a place that you're just there for a moment. Like, the funny thing is a lot of us are living life like this. That we are decking out our homes. We are investing so much in good things. And deep down inside, we do that because we truly believe that whatever we have is going to last forever. When the reality is, this is not our home. Like we have an eternal home. If you are in Christ Jesus, that you have an eternal home that's prepared for you. And I'm not saying that you don't need a bed. I'm not saying that you don't need a TV. I'm not saying that you don't need those stuff. It just doesn't have to be the priority of your life. Like you can still be content if you don't have all that luxury because you know one day like you will go to your eternal home. Financial planners, they say that it is unwise to plan uh, Looking at three years ahead, you should look 30 years ahead when you invest right, in retirement and invest your savings and stuff. But Jesus says it's not just 30 years, but you should think about eternity when you are investing. Like That's what Jesus is saying. So we give because we have a good, gracious, generous father who is willing to give us the kingdom. We also give because it's actually a good and wise investment. Like giving to the needy is putting your resources into into heaven, like you're storing up treasure in heaven. And the last reason why we should give or consider giving is that our heart follows our investment. Our heart always follows our investment. Look at verse 34. It says this, For where your treasure is, 
there will your heart be also. For where your treasure is, your heart is there also. In other words, your heart, who you are, your desires, they have a tendency to follow and pursue the things that you most treasure. If I sell everything that I have today, and that's not going to be hard, uh, and I sell everything that I have today, and imagine I invest in a company that makes snow boots. Every single day, I'm going to check the weather. Every single day, I'm going to pray for bad weather. I don't care about how the roads are going to be slippery, how conditions are going to be bad, how, 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 how our students are going to be trapped in homes and parents are going to struggle. I don't care about that. Why? Because I made an investment. I need those snow boots to sell. I, I'm going to talk about snow boots to you. I'm going to encourage you to wear snow boots. I'll preach in snow boots every Sunday just to make a point. Because where, why? My investment is made in those boots. And so... If my investment is there, my heart is there also. Like, you know this, especially when you invest in another person, in a romantic relationship. Like, because you make this investment, like, your heart is falling. You're constantly thinking about this, this person. And what Jesus is saying is this. If you make the wrong investment, your heart will chase after the wrong person or thing in life. Now, a lot of people... They make investments in this world, things of this world, power, possession, position, um, control, comfort. Like those are things that we seek to cherish and, and have. Like we feel like we need these things in our lives. I'm not saying that those things are bad things, but if those good things become ultimate things, then what's going to happen is your heart is always going to follow those good things rather than what's ultimate, rather than what is was part of God's kingdom. Like, your, your treasure is, is in created things rather than the creator. And so what God is saying today is this. One way you can guard your heart and you can remind yourself on a daily basis from thinking that this is your home, one way that you can pursue God's kingdom on a regular basis is putting your treasures in heaven, not on earth. So giving is an incredible practice, a spiritual practice that reminds us that this is not our home, that our heart belongs to God. One reason why we struggle to be passionate, to be excited about God's kingdom is because we have spread our treasure all throughout this earth rather than in heaven. And so because we are so distracted by the many treasures that we have on earth, whether that's a person, whether that's a thing, whether that's a career that we are investing in so much, whether that's our academics, whatever it might be, we are so distracted because we have treasure all over the place that we lose sight on our ultimate treasure, Jesus Christ. And so what God says is this, for your future investment, like for your future reward, invest in God's kingdom. For your present heart, invest in God's kingdom. There are future implications and present implications when it comes to generous giving. And so give because you have a gracious heavenly father. If you believe in the gospel, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a gracious heavenly father, a generous father who's willing to give you the kingdom. You have this incredible opportunity to make a wise, lasting investment. And you have an opportunity to guard your heart so that you would not follow the treasures of this world, but you would follow the ultimate treasure in Jesus Christ. So I just want to be very, very practical um, and, and just address this. Some of you might be thinking, now, how do I practically give? Where do I begin? Um, and this is where I would just encourage you, first of all, a good starting point, point is to be faithful with your giving in the local church. 
And that might sound very self-serving, but again, when I'm saying this, I'm speaking to myself as well. Like, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean, like, I'm exempt from the giving. Like, when I'm encouraging you to be generous in your giving, like, I'm, I'm encouraging myself to be generous in my giving as well. But the reason why I think a good starting point in the local church is in Acts chapter 2, we read that in the early church, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the breaking of the bread. But also said in Acts chapter 2, verse 45, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had needed. So the early church gathered together. They collected their resources. Why? So that they can help the needy, so that they can make a difference in society. In 1 Corinthians 16, there's another command given by Paul to the church of Corinth. It says to the saints, now collection, the collection for the saints, I direct you, the churches of Galatia, so that this will also be with you on the first day of every week, which is Sunday. Each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredited by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. So Paul is encouraging the church of Corinth to set aside some resources, a collection, a regular collection. Why? So that those resources can be utilized to encourage the brothers who are suffering in the church of Jerusalem. And so the purpose of our collection is primary, primarily uh, advancing God's kingdom and helping the needy. And that's why like, our church is determined to use our resources towards missions, towards relief, that we are very intentional about using at least 50% of our budget towards missions. Our goal is 75% right now because of the building project, because we want to also invest in the next generation. We also have to be a little bit kind of, you know, uh, we can't be as aggressive in that area. But another thing that we did for many, many years, and this is something that we'll go back to after the building project, is if there's any leftovers that, that fiscal year, any, anything that exceeded our budget, or anything that, any, any money that we have after the, using all our expenses, we save about 10% of whatever's left and we give everything else towards missions or towards relief. That's a practice that our church had for many, many years. And that's a practice that I want us to have, um, that we want to be giving generous people. Why? Because we believe that God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. God is generous to us so that we can be generous towards others. You might say, well, as a Christian, why can't I do that individually? That's great that you would do that individually, but also know that the primary way that God advances his kingdom and displays his kingdom is through the gathering of the local church. So a good starting point for you is to be faithful in your giving and your generosity when it comes to the local church. But I think God is also calling us to be spontaneous when it comes to giving, when we see opportunities, when people are in need, we don't neglect those needs, but we address those needs. I think about the Good Samaritan, how it's not a matter of just going out and helping everyone, but at least let's not neglect the people that we meet on the road who are broken, who are desperate. Like, be aware of those things. You don't have to intentionally go to the other side of the road to avoid them, but but be generous with your time, with your resources. Proverbs 19, 17 says this, whoever is generous to the poor, lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deeds. Matthew 6, 3 and 4 says this, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Although you don't have to you know, tell everyone that you're giving, like that's what 
the leaders um, in, in the first century Judaism, they did. And Jesus says they're hypocrites, but it's not that their giving is wrong. They're giving with the wrong motive. They're giving so that they can be exalted. And what Jesus says is give in secret. Why? Because God knows your heart. God knows your intentions. He's going to reward you. Now, what is that reward exactly? Now, that's a whole new sermon uh, that I'll definitely address in another day. Just know that this is not the only time that Jesus is going to talk about giving or generosity. Um, but do know that God recognizes your generous giving. And so just know that your giving, you don't have to boast about it because God recognizes it. The irony in all of this is this. When we try to hold everything that we have in our lives in our hands, it will ultimately be lost. But if we try to put everything that we have in our life in God's hands, it will never fade away. That it will always be there. And so invest in the kingdom of God rather than this world. Um, you know, I don't know if you're afraid of dying. Uh, a lot of times, you know, death uh, sometimes becomes a reality when you lose someone that you love or someone in your family becomes sick, right? I too, like, you know, I'm afraid. There are times like when I, I encounter death and there are times where I become afraid of death um, for a moment. But just think about this. The reason why a lot of us are worried and concerned about dying is because we have so much to lose when we die. We have accumulated so much wealth in this world. We have so much stuff. We have all our treasures and possessions in this world, whether that those are things or family members or friends, whatever it might be, people. Everything that we have invested in belongs to this world that we're so scared to go to the next life. And so if you live a life like that, you know what happens? Every single day, you are moving away from your treasure. You are becoming further away from your treasure. Why? Because the closer and closer you get to death, the further and further you, you get, go from your treasure. But if you place your trust and your treasures in heaven, here's what's going to happen. Every single day, as you get closer to death, you're not moving away from your treasure you're actually moving closer to your treasure. And that's why I think Paul says, for me, to die is to gain. I mean, I'm here because the Lord gives me life and I'm going to be faithful to the opportunity that I have to preach the gospel, but it is for me. Like, I would rather die. That's what Paul says. You know why? Because my ultimate treasure is not in this world. It's in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and his kingdom. And so what happens is every single day, as you get closer to your death, it's not a matter of just being afraid. It's a matter of your joy increasing. Like, you don't have to be fearful. That's why it says in verse 32 today, fear not, little flock, because your treasure, if it's not in this world, but if it's in heaven, there's nothing for you to be afraid of. Like, you're getting closer to your treasure. So for our present joy, for our heart to be guarded, to be directed in the right way, and for our future reward, God is encouraging us to be generous, giving people. Matthew 13, verse 44 says this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. If you don't feel joy in your giving, then there's something wrong. And the only way that you'll feel joy is if you allow the gospel to become clear the picture of God that you have to become clear. And once you understand all that you have in Christ Jesus in the present and the future, then giving 
will be joy. And that's why I think the apostle said, it is more blessed than to, to give than to receive. I think that's absolutely true because we have a generous God who gave us everything, who empowers us to give. Amen?